0: to The Word for Today, featuring the Bible teaching of Pastor Chuck Smith, founder of the Calvary Chapel Movement. This radio program is a verse-by-verse study through the entire Bible. And on today's edition of The Word for Today, Pastor Chuck continues with Abram's return to Egypt, as we pick up in Genesis chapter 13, verse 1. And now, with today's message, here's Pastor Chuck.
1: Thirteenth chapter of the book of Genesis. In chapter 12, we find that Abram had gone down into Egypt because of the famine. And there, as a result of a lack of faith and trusting God to take care of him, he had Sarah pass herself off as his sister. God brought a plague upon the Egyptians because the Pharaoh had more or less taken her into his harem. And he rebuked Abram for... The deception and ordered his men to allow Abram to travel freely. And so now Abram is returning from Egypt in chapter 13. He went up out of Egypt, he and his wife and all that he had, and Lot with him into the south. That would be into the south part of uh, the land of Canaan, into the area of uh, Beersheba, Kadesh. Barnia, uh, Hebron, there in the southern part. And Abram was very rich in cattle, in silver, and in gold. So God had blessed Abraham in a material way, rich in cattle, silver, gold. And he went on his journeys from the south, even to Bethel, under the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. So when Abram first came into the land, his first stop was at Shechem. And then he came back towards the Jordan River at a high point. Uh, This is the highest point in the Jerusalem range of mountains, which begins actually in the area of Samaria and goes almost to Beersheba. Just before you get to Beersheba, the Jerusalem mountains sort of fade out. But this is the highest point. And there is this mountain between the city of Bethel and Ai, uh, the mountain in which he had just a tremendous view of the entire land. Abram, when he first came there, was able to see the entire land, and there he built an altar unto the Lord and worshiped the Lord. And now he returned again to this spot of Bethel. Uh, The place is actually uh, sort of a significant place. It was uh, near Bethel there that Jacob was fleeing from the wrath of his brother Esau. And he uh, used a pillow of a rock and he had the dream and the awareness of the presence of God. And there God made the covenant with Jacob and said, I am going to be with you whithersoever you go. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to prosper you. And I'm going to bring you back into this land. And Jacob sort of made his deal with God and said, if you'll be with me, if you'll bless me and prosper me, I'll give you a tenth of everything I get. And so uh, Jacob made his deal with God, and he left from the place of Bethel. Later on in Jacob's career, God said to him, I am the God of Bethel. And the Lord commanded him to return to Bethel. It was at Bethel that Jacob first became conscious of God, and God then challenged him to return to that place really of your first consciousness, more or less as Jesus uh, called upon the church of Ephesus to return to their first love, that place where you first met God or you first became conscious of God. And it seems that God seeks to call us back to that place of our beginnings, the beginning of our faith, the beginning of our devotion, the, the beginning of that excitement of knowing God and walking with God. Sometimes we begin to take things for granted. Our Christian experience begins to sort of just uh, become a prosaic kind of a thing. I just sort of, you know, go along with it. And, and I lose the excitement. God said to Israel at one time, Where is the excitement of the espousal? You know, when I first called you out and and upon all the people was holiness unto the Lord. In other words, the consciousness of the people was a God consciousness. They were so aware of the presence of God and and they were so excited in the things of God. And God is saying, where is the excitement of that espousal when I first drew you out of Egypt and, and all of you were aware and conscious of me? And we see movements of God's Spirit, such as ex- we are experiencing here. And it's so exciting, just the, the work of the Lord and the excitement of everyone just being you know, turned on for Jesus. And just, you know, we realize His presence, His power. We see His work. And there is that beauty of the excitement of God's work in our midst. But it's always a sad and tragic day when that excitement begins to wane a bit and we begin to take for granted those things that at one time were so special and important and exciting to us. God help us that we will never take for granted His goodness, His grace, and the blessings that we've experienced. I pray that that excitement shall never diminish, But each day we'll be excited with the presence of God and with the work and the power of His Spirit within our lives. That we'll never lose that that just overawed kind of an experience that God is working in our midst. God is demonstrating His love and His power. That we'll always have that fresh relationship with Jesus Christ. And so Abram returned to Bethel, the place where he had built an altar and offered a sacrifice unto God. And God had first promised to him the whole land that was before him. And Lot also, which went with Abram, had his flocks and his herds and his tents. And the land was not able to bear them that they might dwell together. For the substance was great, so that they could not dwell together. And there developed a strife between the herdmen of Abram's cattle and the herdmen of Lot's cattle. The Canaanite and the Perizzite dwelled in the land. And so here there began to be a division between Lot and Abram. Lot was Abram's nephew, but Lot's father, Haran, died very early. And Lot was left as an orphan, and so Abram more or less adopted, inasmuch as he did not have any children of his own up to this point, he had more or less adopted Lot and raised Lot. So Lot was really like a son to Abram and journeyed with him. But now they have both become very prosperous, the hand of the Lord's blessing upon their lives. And you remember Abram had about 300 men servants that he could arm for battle. It gives you a size, an idea of the size of the, of the multitude that was going with Abram. And Lot was probably just about in the equal position. And so because the land just wasn't big enough to, for all of them to graze their cattle and sheep together, and strife began to rise up between uh, the servants of uh, Lot and the servants of Abram, Abram called Lot, And uh, he said unto him, Let there be no strife, I pray thee, between me and thee, and between my herdmen and thy herdmen, for we are brothers. Is not the whole land before thee? Separate thyself, I pray thee, from me. And if you will take the left hand, I will go to the right. If you will depart to the right hand, then I will go to the left. And Lot lifted up his eyes and beheld all the plain of Jordan, that it was well watered everywhere before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah. It was even as the garden of the Lord, like the land of Egypt, as thou comest to Zora. So at that time, of course, it was not too long after the flood. The, the great African rift was probably somehow related to the flood. As we mentioned, there was a whole change of the geographical surface of the earth at the time of the flood. And in the beginning... Uh, The the Dead Sea was formed, actually, because uh, there was no outlet for the Jordan River. And uh, in the beginning, there would not have been the high salt content, which has been leached out of the soil through the years. And because there is no outlet for the Dead Sea, all of the mineral salt contents has just continued to build up over the millennia. So that uh, today, of course, there's not possible that anything can live in the Dead Sea. But uh, at that time, uh, there was probably not the high concentration of salts uh, that we have today. And before Sodom and Gomorrah were destroyed, it was all well watered. And, and it was a place of, of really lush vegetation. Of course, you're in a deep depression 1,200 feet below sea level, almost 1,300 feet below sea level there at the surface of the Dead Sea. And the weather is tropical-type weather. gets very hot in the summertime and stays quite mild in the wintertime. Usually in the wintertime, it is in the 70s, high 70s, low 80s, can get up into the 90s even during the wintertime down there. And so it's great for uh, growing tropical kind of foods, papaya, mango, and uh, of the tropical types of foods, and of course all kinds of vegetation, citrus fruits and so forth, grow uh, very profusely down there around Jericho today where they have a good water supply, a fresh water supply. So it is interesting because you're in such a deep rift, so low, that there are springs that just come out of the mountains uh, and flow then on into the valley, And before the destruction of Sodom and Gomorrah much more It was like the Garden of the Lord It was like the Garden of Eden So Lot looked down at that lush tropical area And he chose to move down in that direction And Lot chose all of the plain of Jordan And Lot journeyed east And they separated themselves one from the other And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan and Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain and he pitched his tent toward Sodom. This was, you might say, sort of the beginning of the backsliding of Lot. First of all, his choice was a fleshly choice. He really didn't consider Abraham and Abram's needs. But looking to himself first, he, pit, he, he chose the plain of Jordan and then he pitched his tent toward Sodom. The next time we find him, he is sitting in the gates of Sodom. Or actually, he's living in Sodom because he's captured as he lives in Sodom. So at uh, the beginning, pitching towards Sodom, attracted somehow by this wicked city. But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. It was a very wicked place. And yet Lot seemed to be somehow attracted by it. There does seem to be a certain type of an attraction to sin. Satan does make it look very attracting. There is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You want to look down the road and find out what it leads to. Sin can be very exciting. Sin can be very thrilling. It would be be wrong to say that it isn't. It can be very pleasurable. But it eventuates in death. The wise man will look down and see where is the road leading. It might be a fun road to travel. It might be filled with allurement, excitement. But where is the path leading me? My ambition is to someday ride the rapids, either in the Grand Canyon or up in Idaho. I I just would love to get on a raft and, and go down the rapids. I think that it'd be a day. I'm just looking forward to someday doing that, either now or in the millennium, but someday I'm gonna ride the rapids. <laughs> but there are rapids that I have no desire to ride. And those are the rapids above Niagara Falls. <laughs> now I don't doubt, but what they're just as exciting as the Grand Canyon, or any other rapids that you might ride. But I don't like where it ends. So you go down, whee, fun, exciting, thrill, thrill. Man, the roar of the falls is getting louder. You know, you're heading for destruction. And so the person in the path of sin, excitement, thrilling, but you're heading towards destruction. The end thereof are the ways of death. Lot was attracted He pitched his tent towards Sodom This exceedingly wicked and sinful city Even before Lot ever got there And Abram dwelled in the land of Canaan Lot dwelled in the cities of the plain Pitched his tent And then the Lord said unto Abram After that Lot was separated from him It was probably a a difficult experience Lot had become like a son to Abram He was close, Abram loved him and parting is never an easy experience. You, you see Lot taking off, and it, it's always harder to be the one that's left. It's always easier, I think, to go than to be the one that's left behind. Uh, and, and to see them going, it always gives you sort of an empty, sinking feeling as, as, as they sort of disappear over the hill, you know. And I can imagine for Abram, it was a, here he'd been traveling for years together now. For probably something like 50 years they've been together, close. And now he sees Lot taking off and there has to be an ache in the heart, a lump in the throat. And so the Lord comes to comfort Abram. And the Lord said unto Abram after that Lot was departed from him, Lift up now thine eyes and look from the place where thou art, northward, southward, Eastward, westward. For all the land which you see, to thee will I give it, and to thy seed forever. God's promise to Abraham from the area there at, between Bethel and Ai, this mountain peak. Looking towards the north, you see the area of Samaria. Samaria. You can look clear on up and see Mount Hermon on a clear day And he wasn't bothered with smog in those days Looking towards the east you see the mountains of Moab Looking towards the south you see the area of Jerusalem The southern range of the Jerusalem mountains Clear on down to the area of Beersheba Looking towards the west, you see the Sharon Plains and the Mediterranean. And so God said, just look to the north, the south, the east, the west. Just as far as you can see, Abram, I'm going to give you this land to you and to your seed. And God was going to give it to him forever, And I will make thy seed as the dust of the earth, so that if a man can number the dust of the earth, then shall thy seed also be numbered. Now, God promised, hey, I'm going to multiply your seed like the dust of the earth. Now, later on, God said to Abram in chapter 15, look up into the heavens and I am going to make your seed like the stars of the sky innumerable. Hey, that's an interesting, interesting thing because modern science in that day thought that there were 6,126 stars. They didn't think they were innumerable. Many of the ancient people had counted the stars. And up until the time of Galileo, We didn't realize that there were so many stars out there in the universe. But now, they estimate the number of stars to be just so vast that you really can't count them all. There are billions of galaxies like our Milky Way galaxy and there are billions of stars in our Milky Way galaxy. Someone has estimated that there might be as many as 10 to the 25th power stars. But it's also interesting, they've estimated that if you would take the amount of sand in a cubic inch and take the volume of the earth, there's probably 10 to the 25th power grains of sand that make up the earth. So in God saying, I'm going to make your seed as the sands of the sea or as, as the dust of the earth, and then as the stars of heaven, they're probably sort of an equal number here. But the interesting thing is, God said the whole idea is that there will be innumerable. You won't be able to count them. Now, God's promise was that you can't count them, and David's sin was what? He tried to count them, he took a census. God didn't want a census taken of his people. Because God's promise is they're going to be innumerable as the sands of the sea. You're not going to be able to count them. David's sin was in taking a census and counting the people, and it brought God's judgment against Israel because of David's sin in counting the people. So since then, they didn't take census in Israel. But everyone had to put a shekel into the temple treasury, and then they'd count the shekels. But the Orthodox Jew to the present day will not count off in a group. If you're in a group and you're playing party games and you've got a number in the group, an Orthodox Jew will not be numbered. And so they'll say, you're not one, not two, not three, not four, not five. You know, I always figure out ways to get around things, you know.
0: We'll return with more of our verse-by-verse Bible study in the book of Genesis on our next broadcast. As Pastor Chuck continues to teach through the Bible, and we do hope you'll make plans to join us. But right now, if you'd like to order a copy of today's message, simply order Genesis 13 when visiting the wordfortoday.org. And while you're there, be sure to browse the many additional biblical resources by Pastor Chuck. You can also subscribe to the Word for Today podcast or sign up for our email subscription.
1: May his hand be upon your life. That this will be a week in which you're really in tune, in harmony with him. And that love and and commitment is restored. And and it's just a glorious week of, of thinking of him, worshiping him, serving him, loving him. May God be pleased with you by your commitment and devotion. Jesus.
0: This program has been sponsored by Calvary Chapel of Costa Mesa, California. For years, Pastor Chuck was asked thousands of questions.
1: This new guy that my mom married, he thinks that the Christian beliefs are foolish, and I was wondering if that's going to like affect my mom's walk. I'm a Christian, I'm trying to fight the addiction of smoking and are those things going to keep me from going in the rapture? Is it okay to use your tithes and give it to someone who's going on a mission trip instead of giving it
0: directly to church? The Word for Today is pleased to present an e-book called Biblical Counseling by Chuck Smith, listing over 200 topics that include Pastor Chuck's commentary and the scripture references he used. Topics include addiction, business relationships, depression, lawsuits, sexuality, training children, and so much more. To download the Biblical Counseling ebook by Chuck Smith, visit thewordfortoday.org and click on the link provided, or you can call 1-800-272-9673.